Good morning, y'all, and welcome to Ripples in the Mountains. It has been a hot minute, and this is a podcast that is going to tell some heartfelt stories of this amazing Appalachian culture and tales that are just good and that are spun in our mountain heritage. Now, since it's been a hot minute and uh, having this long break and a lot of pondering, the platform that I wanted to create with the whole Ripples in the Mountains will hopefully continue as I continue to learn this podcast journey. And so much has happened in the world since I last created an episode. And as I have continue to talk and get feedback the one thing that I get the most is there's so much bad in our world today absolutely and now we need to focus on the good that's in the world more than ever so taking that to heart And thinking about our rural Southwest Virginia mountains, um, you kind of, you hear a lot about intriguing ghost stories and folklore, or you hear the sad stories of how we are the epitome of poverty and this never ending opioid drug crisis. And, and if you've, um, just to give a quick plug to Beth Macy who wrote the book Dope Sick and there is a Netflix series entitled The Same that is about Lee County, Virginia and kind of the coal mining town and where the opioid crisis took took place. Um, if you've watched that, read it, the individuals in the book for me are real people, are real people that I have had the pleasure of working with and advocating with. So, um, yeah, we do have that here. We we absolutely have that here. But what I want to share today are just interesting, heartfelt ta- tales of everyday life and tradition and perseverance, okay? And because it's so close to Christmas, today's stories are going to come from those long ago Appalachian heritage and just what is the true epitome of who we are and how kindness plays a role and how it ripple effects. So as I start the podcast today, I first want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for uh, understanding the hiatus. Um, When I started this podcast journey, I really didn't know a whole lot about it. And I still don't know a whole lot about it, but I'm learning. And I learned through listening and talking to others that have um, created their podcasts and got some really good tips. And uh, as my mom said, stop using my radio voice and use your true Appalachian speech. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you're going to hear you're going to hear that a little bit in me now. yeah, be true to, true to yourself, right? So that's kind of what I'm going to do. Um, the volume still may be a little off, but I do have some better equipment. So I'm, I'm playing with it and working with it and learning how to do all this. So with that said, after the brief introduction to what the podcast is and what it means to me and what I want it to do, 
I just thank you. And you can check out more on the www.ripplesinthemountains.com page. Um, I'm going to be updating and sharing more on that. You can check at Ripples in the Mountains on Facebook because I am going to post different things that we talk about on the podcast so you can kind of delve into it more if it interests you, if it piques your interest or something that you want to check out more. Or if you want to share your own story, that was another thing that I wanted to do was tell real stories of people from the area. So if you feel like you have a story worth sharing, let's talk about it and let's let's make it a podcast. So, today's story comes from long ago Appalachian heritage. We're going to step back in time to look at Christmas in the mountains, the traditions, the giving nature, and most important to some, the recipes handed down from generation to generation. I found so many of these traditions and stories so unique and it just goes to show how rich in culture and creativity and talent we are. Now, the first story is one you may have heard before and I just really thought it was interesting and wanted to share a little bit more about it. Uh, The favorite song, The 12 Days of Christmas, right? Well, in Appalachian tradition, The 12 Days of Christmas really was a 12-day celebration. It started on Christmas Day, the 25th, and it went through January 6th. Entitled now as Old Christmas, it originated in the 1750s after the British government decided to change calendars. See, previously, Britain used the Julian calendar, which was created by Julius Caesar in 45 BC, whereas Catholic countries like Spain had used the Gregorian calendar, the one that we use today, since the 1500s. The main difference between the two calendars was that the Julian calendar added too many leap days and it made the calendar lag in relation to the sun. And the sun is ideally supposed to be in the same place in the sky every January 1st. So by the time the 1700s rolled around, the Julian calendar was 11 days behind the sun, thus the creation of the new calendar. Now with this move, Christmas fell on January 6th. And to be expected, many people were not happy with the shift of Christmas. And by the time it came to where the Scotch-Irish settlers were, well, it was just too late to change. Or, you know, maybe they were just too stubborn to change. (laughs) My vote is for the latter, because if anyone knows anything about the stereotypical Appalachian folk, we are a stubborn lot. And this is kind of a true stereotype, I will attest. But long story short, I digress. The old Christmas is now celebrated on December 25th and for the next 12 days. It's kind of like a party in the mountains. There's food, there's music, there's visiting neighbors until new new Christmas of January 6th. Now, when I said this heritage has creativity, come on, you got to give it to them. They, they made this calendar shift into a 12-day holiday. I mean, come on. 
music and food and visiting and fun and gift giving and just camaraderie for 12 days. How awesome is that? (laughs) I have a lot of friends, they still celebrate the old Christmas and they share their stories on the beloved social media now. So that's kind of how I see that. And I was always like, what is this old Christmas? So I had looked into it just to know a little bit about it, but it's, it's awesome to see how these traditions became such for each household today and how each generation kind of takes that and adds to it and makes it their own. So that's one tradition here in the mountains of old Christmas. Another that I had never heard of is something called serenading. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? Christmas caroling? Hey, that's not really unique and it's not just in the Appalachian Mountains, but nope, you couldn't be further from what I'm going to tell you. This is very interesting. It's kind of like a Halloween mashup in Christmas fashion. So what this serenading is, would the young people would attempt to sneak around their neighbor's property And if they were successful in the sneak, which means they made it to the door to knock and receive a treat, kind of like trick or treat, right? A small gift or a token, like Christmas, right? But it's how they came upon the door knocking. Hmm. These are where the shenanigans started. It could be (laughs) they would shoot a gun or shoot off firecrackers or they would yell or sing, hence serenading. And that's how they got their gift. Now, if the neighbor discovered the little scamp sneaking around first, they would shoot off their own gun or they would yell, give me a gift. Well, the intruders would have to give up their own gifts or they would run to the next house. So, of all the stories I read about this tradition, most ended the same way, with a big old bonfire for the community to gather together. Eventually, though, serenading became outlawed because Christmas was meant to be for a more peaceful time. (laughs) Uh, When I read some of the stories that came... Um, from this, uh, especially an excerpt of a book entitled The Foxfire Book Series from Elliot Wigington. I hope I said that right, Elliot Wigington. Um, And there are several Foxfire Book Series, but this was one especially for Christmas traditions. And I was reading some of the stories that real-life individuals told about the serenading, and I tell y'all, I could see my grandpa as a young boy with his, with his brothers or cousins and neighbors and they being sneaky and getting up on those unsuspecting neighbors and, and getting homemade jams and pies and just because my grandpa's told me some good stories about when he was a little boy so I guess I could just see that little homer running around but anyway when I asked him about it he just kind of looked at me funny, you know. He he said, okay, that's something we would have done on Halloween, not Christmas. We were good at Christmas. So it makes me feel like the outlaw of serenading had to come near around the 1930s because my grandfather would have been a boy, late 30s, early 40s, and he didn't know about it. So, so I'm going to kind of give it that time frame. Um... 
And that was a tradition that hailed from our Scottish ancestors. You know what else came from Scotland? Ooh, you're either going to praise it or you're going to curse it. Fruitcake. The beloved Christmas cake came from our Scottish ancestors, complete with Scottish whiskey. You know, maybe that's what made the fruitcake so popular. Because initially it was called a Scottish whiskey cake. Hmm. Anyway, all that aside, it's the personal stories of time gone by that make me proud of where I come from and the kindness that is unprecedented. So this is my story to share today of the ripples of kindness that happens in the mountains. This is one story that was told to me after 50 years and tears still come to their eyes when they tell the story. And this is just one of many. This this is one of many. And I feel like so many of these beautiful, beautiful stories are never told. And this is why. Because nobody wants the recognition. Nobody wants the accolades. They don't do the good deeds for that purpose. They do it because they want to help their neighbor. They want to help their loved one. So this is the story. And when I finish, we're going to talk a little bit more about how we need to get back to that. Of not wanting recognition for doing a good deed. Coal mining, you see, it's a piece of very rich heritage that comes from these mountains. Coal was once really the prime way of earning a living. Now, if you've ever listened to the song 16 Tons, you know 16 tons, what do you get? Got me? They didn't earn a huge salary. As a matter of fact, they really barely scraped by. So... The stories of the pure selfless giving around the holidays, it's always just another warming piece of the puzzle because these are people that didn't really have it to give, but they did it in the spirit of fellow humanity. So, picture it. 1961 in this beautiful, coal-rich area where there's little houses to and fro that have that very coal keeping them warm. You have plenty to eat because you prepared for the winter back in the summer through your farming, through canning beans and peaches, your chow chow and your peppers. You may even have your own chickens and pigs or your neighbor does and you share. That provides you with a source of food. Your Christmas decorations, oh, they're homemade and beautiful with popcorn strings and ribbons. There was one family in particular this year in 1961 that had had it rough. Through the sickness of the primary breadwinner, like many before, working in the mines can lead to deadly and debilitating illnesses. And he was in the hospital and had been in the hospital for almost a month. So a mother and her five young children, all under the age of 10, are left with little to nothing for Christmas because her husband is too ill to work and has been in the hospital. And they've been very busy traveling back and forth from the home and the hospital, trying to maintain the house and keep up with five little ones. There was really no sign of Christmas. And coming back from a late night, Mama had lost all track of time 
you see, it was Christmas Eve and she had nothing ready and nothing to give. Another tradition here in the mountains was a stocking. It was a sock full of nuts and fruit. She didn't even have that. And with tears in her eyes, she kissed those babies goodnight while they slept. And she silently prayed that her husband could get well and maybe the new year would be better. She prayed somehow, some way that Christmas could come. So she stayed up working on some homemade gifts, making some desserts with what she had there, quickly putting together something. Well, she awoke the next morning to the oohs and ahs and the squills of those babies. The door opened. She kind of looked through one tired eye and saw that it had snowed throughout the night. Oh, it was just so beautiful. You know, that blanket of white sparkling peace to where it just sounds different outside and it looks different. See, that wasn't all. There were two big baskets at the door. And um, underneath those baskets was a beautiful new sled. One of the baskets had five socks for five littles filled with oranges and apples and walnuts and a peppermint stick. And there were biscuits and jams. There was some ham that had been wrapped. Each child was gifted a book. There was even a small bottle of perfume for Mama. And the children were so happy they sprayed that perfume for her. Excited to go see their dad and let him know Santa had come. Well, she frantically went looking for a note in that basket. She she had to know who to thank. This was beautiful and amazing and truly a Christmas miracle. But guess what? The only note was a card that said Merry Christmas. So they went to visit the father and uh, they brought him a new pair of pajamas. And they excitedly told him everything that was going on. And there were tears. The father, you know, he, he said that he had prayed and prayed for a way for the children to have Christmas and for him to, to get better and get back to work to provide for the family. And, well, two days later, they were riding home again in that rusted out old truck that made it back and forth to that hospital. And they were all full of hope and faith. And this is only one story of many that I've been privy to over the years. And that's just what it means to give. And they share that story and say, you know, the next year when they were back to working and had done good, they paid it forward at that point and did the same thing to another family in need. And in a time where there was no social media and no GoFundMe accounts and well there there weren't really like the oh what do I want to call it you know the 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 family and prayer chains that quickly go out nowadays it, it wasn't as quick back in those days there we go maybe didn't even have a phone sometimes a party line is what it was called back in the day if you were lucky if you had that 
But somehow, somehow the community knew. They knew when a family was in need and they knew when they needed to rally together and be there and step up. And that, my friends, is a part of Appalachian culture. That is a part of these mountains where we are proud, but we take care of our own, right? I know we've heard that. We take care of our own. When we know that there's somebody in need, we are going to rally and we are going to take care of them. And it's so beautiful. Um, You know, my dad tells a story and I'm going to have to, I can't tell it right now because I, I just can't remember it very well. But he tells a story of his own father who was a coal miner that stepped up when they had very little to help another family member that had even less but they didn't do it to say look at me I'm the favorite family member let's keep up with the Joneses no they did it because that was the sense of community this is the type of kindness that is bred in these mountains and this is the type of giving that comes from a mentality it restored and renewed faith in humanity it reminds us that we all need one another especially in our hardest times now in 2023 as technology has given us so many ways to give and share and it's still a wonderful thing to do it it just it doesn't have that human touch like it did in the past so i'm going to challenge you this holiday season with my first podcast back i'm going to give you a challenge let's go back to this old time tradition let's Let's start a tradition where giving is more of an exchange of money and a picture posted on social media. Let's do it because it just feels right. Let's do it because you know someone needs that helping hand. Not because you're going to get accolades or a pat on the back, but because it's the kindness in you it's the right thing to do it's the good thing to do it's a tradition where you are silently playing santa claus and you leave those special gifts at the door or at work it's a way to let your neighbor know that they are loved and that hard times don't last so i challenge you to bring that human emotion and heart back into the giving season Now, the last thing I want to share, and this will be posted on our Facebook page as well as the website. Um, Well, you know, we're talking about giving, right? And we're talking about giving not just of our money, but of heart and recipes and things. So I mentioned at the beginning that we were going to share recipes. So this is a totally Southern thing. And I have to bring it up. Soup bean pie now if you're not sure what a soup bean is then you definitely aren't from the mountains but you may know it as a pinto bean (laughs) and yes this is a super delicious pie that is for real made with soup beans now if you are a fan of pecan pie or pecan pie however you want to say it so you you're gonna be ready to devour this down As a matter of fact, if you didn't know that it was a soup bean pie, you would probably say that is the best pecan pie I've ever had. So 
the recipe I will share on our Facebook page and on our webpage, it makes three regular pies or two deep dish pies. So, you know, when you eat one, you'll, you'll have a backup to share, right? <laughs> and, and you can adjust it. There's coconut, there's pecans, there's sugar. You can make it however you want to. But here's the bottom line, guys. This is a southern recipe that you are going to love. So don't snarl your nose because it's called a sous vide pie. So that's another challenge I have. And if you do decide to make this yummy, yummy pie, I want you to take a picture and let me see how it turns out. Okay. Because this is something that has been handed a tradition that has been handed down to me. So the last couple of years I've been making them and, um, I'm not going to tell you how many pieces I ate this past Thanksgiving, but well, I've started exercising again, if that tells you anything. So <laughs> thank you so much, everyone for giving ripples in the mountains a listen. I hope to bring you more stories about our amazing heritage and culture each week. I want to share the goodness that is not only Appalachian, but that is universal. Kindness is a universal language. And I hope to remind each and every one of you that there is kindness in the world, even though it seems hard to see. And if you can't see the good, then guess what? Be the good. Until next time, my friends, keep making those ripples.